Hello, I'm Trent Reinsmith, and this is the USC Vegas 36 post-fight recap, wrap-up results from the Derek Brunson, Darren Till main event card. Took place Saturday afternoon, UFC Vegas at the Apex. Uh, only nine fights, and it was not a particularly deep card, so it's probably going to be a pretty quick review and recap here. As usual, I'm going to start off with some things that I saw, noticed, took place outside of the octagon. The first thing that really caught my eye was in the pre-fight interview that Darren Till did, he had a sponsor, I think it was uh, on his hat, and also it was probably uh, a sponsor of, equipment sponsor, because I think I saw the sponsor on the on the mitts too during the, during the filming of when he was, you know, hitting mitts. And if UFC fighters can now get sponsors on pre-fight videos or pre-event anything, that's a big newsworthy item uh, because in the Reebok era, it was not really allowed. It was always a surprise when we saw a fighter had a logo or a sponsor on their equipment during an interview. Uh, in the early days of the Reebok deal, that was a big no-no. It seemed to loosen up near the end when both sides knew that nothing was going to be renewed. And so we're still early on in the Venom days. And so to see a fighter have a sponsor during a pre-event interview, a big thing, noteworthy thing. And if the UFC is allowing this to take place and fighters can capitalize on some sponsors of their own, even in a small way like this, it's a big win for the fighters because it'll allow them to pursue sponsors and some big sponsors because those sponsors know that the image, that their brand is going to show up on ESPN. So if this is the case and they can get sponsors and use sponsors for pre-events, and you know, not in the octagon, but during the pre-event videos and any kind of filming or, or promo for leading up to the event. If that is being allowed and fighters can make some extra money, I think the UFC should announce that. I think the fighters should take advantage of that. And I think it's a PR win for the UFC if they are allowing that. I think it's a financial win for the fighters if the UFC is allowing it. And I hope that I'm right in seeing what I saw and thinking that there's at least a bit of an opportunity for fighters to to go out and get sponsors of their own and you know make a little extra money and it should be a, a pretty decent amount of money too because exposure on ESPN is a big deal for any any brand especially in the MMA world uh, because we know you don't get a lot of notice on ESPN and if the fighters can get you there that would be a great, great thing. So I'm going to reach out. I probably won't get an answer. Maybe somebody that the UFC responds to can get an answer. Uh, but hopefully that we can get a little more information on this going forward. Um, Michael Bisping. And this was a little weird. And I think this was more a thing of Bisping being Bisping and not being able to stop himself. I think his brain just reacts quickly and his personality and when he sees an opportunity to take a jab at someone I think he's just going to take it I just think he's wired that way I don't think he means harm in any of it but I saw some people were kind of 
I wouldn't say upset, but we're kind of down on Bisping when during the interview with Patty Pimblett, Pimblett said something about, he said that, you know, what did Michael expect or something to that effect or, but what came out of Bisping's mouth was that, well, you almost got knocked out, but you, it's not how you start, it's how you finished and you finished well. So I think it was just a, a little bit of Bisping being Bisping. I don't think he meant any harm by it. I don't think anybody should be upset about it. I don't think he tried to take any shine off Pimblet's win. I think his sense of humor is just kind of dark, kind of cutting, kind of taking the, the piss out of anybody he can. It's kind of Michael Bisping. It's just who he is. So anybody that was upset about it, that I don't think he meant any harm. Um, I think he's just just wired that way. And I think that's what makes him him. I think that's why... Uh, a lot of people appreciate Bisping is just because he can be serious. He can take things seriously. He can explain things well. He self-deprecating when when it's warranted. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He doesn't take the sport too seriously when he doesn't have to. But he can be very serious and very good at his job when it warrants it. He's He's really good at his job and he uses humor in that. As well, so I don't think anybody should be offended, and I don't think Pimblet was offended. And I just think if you don't want Michael Bisping to do Michael Bisping things, well, then maybe you don't hire Michael Bisping. Uh, speaking of the commentary team, the Daniel Cormier, I was kind of disappointed in seeing this and hearing this. He kind of made a joke about how he takes takedowns so seriously when he's commentating and scoring on during the commentary. And that he tries to award fighters the round if they get one takedown. And he laughed it off and chuckled about it. But what it said to me was that Cormier knows he doesn't know how to properly score a round, a fight. And that he doesn't plan on getting any better. He doesn't plan on improving. But yet he's going to keep talking about it. And he's going to keep spreading incorrect information. That's kind of how that came across. And... You know, if Biz, I'm sorry, if Cormier wants to offer his opinion on what is and isn't a takedown, that's fine. But when he starts offering incorrect information on scoring, that's not fine. And when he laughs it off, again, that's not fine because this is a two division former UFC champion, a UFC commentary team member who is paid to offer what we're led to believe is expert commentary. And when you're acknowledging that you don't, care too much about scoring things correctly that you're not going to look to improve that's a big red flag and I didn't like it and I don't expect much from Cormier on his on his scoring but at least try to get better but Cormier does not sound like he's interested in doing that at all so some points off there for Daniel Cormier on to the fights Jack Shore. Jack Shore had an opportunity here. Uh, he's got a lot of hype behind him. He's a very talented fighter, but he fought an opponent here who was coming in on late notice. He was a late replacement, so Shore obviously didn't get a chance to train for him. And also that opponent had not fought in nearly two years, so even if he had got a chance to train for him, he's probably looking at old tape that might not represent where that fighter is at at this moment. So instead of risking things, Shore fought a quote-unquote safe fight, got the win. It was a dominant win, but it was not what the UFC probably would call 
an impressive win. He was the biggest favorite on the card. I expect, I, I'm sorry, I suspect that the UFC brass thought they were going to see a a big finish here, a big effort from Jack Shore, something that they could build upon and use to hype him up going forward. He didn't do that. He fought in a way that was, like I said, quote-unquote safe. He secured the win, and he'll move on. Now, I see nothing wrong with what Shore did and how Shore performed because in a sport where you can double your money with a win and you can double your money with a win and not take any abuse or get hurt or risk, then you probably should do that. Now, the UFC is going to say, well, we set you up to have a big win. Uh, you were the biggest favorite, and you kind of let us down. Well, you know, that's not Shore's worry in the octagon. It's Shore's worry now because I don't know how the UFC matchmakers are going to see what he did and how the UFC is going to consider what he did. Uh, I think it might hold him back just because the UFC did not probably did not like what it saw. But I understand why Shore did it. I don't fault him for one second. And if he gets a top rank, uh, not a top rank, but if he gets a ranked opponent and that opponent stays in for the next fight and he can train specifically for that opponent, I think we will see a much better Jack Shore, uh, get a better representation of Jack Shore's as his skills. But, you know, he did what he needed to do on Saturday. He got the win, got his win in show money, and moved on. Can't fault him for that one bit. Uh, Julian Arosa looked very good. He kind of reminded me of Tim Means, and that's not a bad thing. He's a tall guy, a lanky guy, but he seems to prefer to fight in close. He uses... Uh, all, all kinds of striking techniques, especially elbows when he's in close. He uses his kicks, knees, punches, elbows. He's very well versed in his striking. And I like that he fought in close. I liked also that when he got hurt, he didn't really show it. He recovered quickly, stayed in the pocket, and looked to get right back and take, take over the fight, take over the round. Um, and... He also showed that he's not, you know, a one-dimensional fighter. He used his wrestling setups to set up a submission, and then he got the submission. So, Arosa, he looked very, very impressive. Molly McCann had a decided reach disadvantage in her fight against Ji Yeon Kim, 10 inches. And I think that kind of worked out to her advantage in a couple ways. In one because we know she's not afraid to get in and fight in close and dirty. We know that she has good power. We know that she's a good boxer. And we know that she's an exciting fighter. And so she was fighting a technical fighter with a longer reach advantage. And so she did what she needed to do. She pushed forward, closed that distance, worked close, and showed everything that has made her a fan favorite. You know, she was tough. Gave a good effort, showed a lot of heart, showed a lot of tenacity, and showed that she packs power in her strikes. Uh, a, a, a good indication of what you should expect from Molly McCann when the opportunity is there for her to show show out is that last minute of the fight where she just went, just put the pedal to the floor and went for it. She won the fight. She broke a losing skid, and she reminded everyone, you know, win, lose, or draw, 
Molly McCann is going to go out there and give her best effort. Um, she might not be the best, most skilled fighter in the UFC, but sometimes heart, tenacity, and just, you know, kind of the will, the will to win can can get you pretty far in the UFC in some weight divisions. And as an example, I would look at Michael Bis point to Michael Bisping. Now, I'm not saying that McCann is as talented as Bisping, but Bisping was never someone who you, you thought of as a future champion. You kind of always looked at him as not an also-ran, but not someone who is going to get to the top. But by sheer force of will, he did that. He, he you know, took his deficiencies, improved them just enough that they were above average. He was above average in everything, and he was... a very much above average in will and heart and tenacity. And I know these are buzzwords, but Michael Bisping is the, was the fighter that you can look to to say he set the blueprint for someone who might not have all the skill in the world, but has something inside them that will get them to the top. Now, again, I'm not saying Molly McCann is that same kind of fighter or to that level of a Michael Bisping, but I'm saying she shows those kind of uh, attributes. And I think that's why fans like her. So uh, good performance from McCann. Got off a losing skid. And she's someone that uh, I think fans appreciate. Patty Pimblett, a lot of hype going into this fight now. I didn't know if that hype was generated by the UFC. I didn't know if the hype was legit. I know Pimblett is a talented fighter for sure. I know his Cage Warriors days showed that. I didn't know if they would that would translate to the UFC. And, you know, when you're in the MMA bubble, you you kind of never get the true feeling for what the hype level around a fighter is. And I had that. I didn't really have a good grasp on Pimblet. I do now. Um, I think I, I didn't like, and Daniel Cormier pointed out, I didn't like the fact that his chin was high and his hands were low. I didn't like the fact that he got touched up a little bit. But again, his opponent, this was not a fight that was was designed to give uh, Pimblet a walk in the park. It was a close fight as far as the odds were concerned. I don't think he was, Pimblet was the favorite, but I don't think he was more than a 150 favorite or if he was in that plus, minus 150 range, he was not, you know, a minus 550 favorite like Jack Shore was. So there were some questions here about if he was going to get beat by by Luigi Vendramini. What had it? Luigi, by him, but he he got got hurt a little bit, and then came back strong, and like Michael Bisping said, finished extremely strong. When he hurt Luigi, he just floored it and just unleashed a turn of strikes that weren't a strikes that really showed that he has a finishing um, a desire to get the finish. I don't know how well his skill set will translate to the top of the division. But I don't think he's going to be rushed. He's only 26. I think he's going to probably face some more adversity if he keeps fighting with chin up, hands down. But unless he gets knocked out cold, which he has never been knocked out, uh, I, I think he's going to keep fighting that way until he gets hurt badly. And then he'll probably, you know, bring things back a little bit and, and fight a little more conservatively. I don't think he's going to be someone who fights... Totally conservatively, but I think once he reaches a, a level where the competition 
can hurt him, can finish him, I think he'll fight a little smarter. I hope, because if he fights like he is fighting, like he fought his first fight here in the UFC, he could find himself in trouble, in trouble that he might not be able to work himself out of. But for a UFC debut, for a much-hyped young fighter, Patty Pimblett looked uh, pretty good, pretty good. And, you know, I understand the hype, and we'll keep an eye on him for sure, see how he develops, and see how the UFC handles him too. If I was Pimblet, I would be, being only 26, I would take a slow roll approach to moving up the rankings. Khalil Roundtree got over what was ever holding him back, I think. Uh, at least it looked like he did, and he got a good knock TKO win here. A lot of people were upset that it was a oblique kick to the knee that stopped the fight, but I am of the opinion that we 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 as as fans and as media and as fighters i think we see injuries that we see strikes that cause damage that looks bad like the knee kick and we we well not all of us but some of us clutch pearls at these at these techniques and you know say that they should be illegal i am not one of those per- people your ligaments heal yeah they take a while they take a while to heal but your brain is not going to heal as well, if at all, as opposed to a ligament damage. So I look at an example like this. The Edson Barboza kick to Terry Adam to his head. Did anyone say that that was a terrible, injurious kick? No. But I can guarantee you the amount of damage that was done inside Adam's head was far exceeds the damage that was done to Roundtree's opponent's leg. Lasting damage, that is. The leg will heal. It'll heal maybe 100%. Brain is not going to heal. And for people that think that that kick should be banned, no, it should not be banned. You should learn to defend it. And if you can't defend it, you're going to lose because it's going to damage your knee. Now, is the kicks designed to damage? Yeah, it is. But so are head kicks, so are liver kicks, and this is the name of the game. The name of the game is separate your opponent from their consciousness or separate your opponent's ligaments and limbs in a submission attempt, and you win the fight by TKO, by a knockout, by a submission, by a tap out, by a technical submission. These are all ways to win a fight. Just because you don't like the way that the technique looks, the end result looks, doesn't make it a bad technique. It just makes it a damaging technique. But every strike that's thrown in, the, in a MMA fight is meant to damage, is, or it's meant to lead to future damage. Like the jabs are there to set up the big punches, but the big punches are there to separate a person from their consciousness. I would rather get an injured ligament than a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury. It, it, I don't understand where the disconnect is in this. And if someone could explain it to convince me that a brain injury is not as bad as a ligament injury, well, I will listen. But they're going to have to do a lot of convincing because I just don't see it. And to to say that fighters 
you know, accept the brain trauma and not the ligament damage is kind of silly. A win is a win. A knockout is a knockout. TKO is a TKO. No one says anything is dirty. Uh, if it was an illegal technique, that's a different story. It's a legal technique and learn to defend it or lose. It's because you don't like it doesn't mean it's wrong and doesn't mean it's dirty. It just means you don't like it. And as, as someone who follows fighting, I'd much rather see a damaged knee than a damaged brain any day of the week. And if you think otherwise, you might want to rethink um, how you look at uh, the livelihood of other people who are not getting paid a whole lot. Tom Aspinall got another win, looked very good in doing so, set up his knockout by uh, knee to the body, caused uh, Sergey Spivak to drop his arms, and when his arms dropped, his head opened up, and Aspinall delivered an elbow to the head and then finished with a nice, nice ground strikes. Aspinall is only 28. He wants a slow road back. He wants a slow road up the rankings in the heavyweight division. The problem for Aspinall is a slow road might not be possible because the heavyweight division is kind of not that deep. And so if the UFC wants this 28-year-old to move up the rankings and fight more more difficult opponents than he might be ready for, they're going to try and get him to do so. So we might be seeing the start of a little bit of a tug-of-war between Aspinall and the UFC. Uh, if Aspinall does not want to move up too quickly, he needs to stand up to, for himself and be loud and not sign fight, not sign on for fights that don't suit his slow roll road to the top. He, For now, he's been sticking to that. He said he wanted to fight someone that was one step above him in the rankings. I don't see a problem with that. I do see that the UFC might not agree with that. And if that's the case, Aspinall and his management team really need to stand up to the UFC and say, no, this is how we want his career to go. And barring some kind of amazing change of opinion, this is how we want it to go. And you, we need to work together on this. The kid is looking out for his own future. The UFC is not going to do that. So Aspinall needs to stand his ground. And hopefully he does. And if he changes his mind and thinks he's ready to move up quicker than he has expressed in the past, that's fine. But for now, stick to your guns, Tom Aspinall, and move up slowly as as you want to. Darren Till, Darren Till is only 28 as well, but his hopes of getting a title shot anytime in the next couple of years probably disappeared with the loss to Derek Brunson. Brunson has been racking up takedowns like like they're going out of style in his last four fights. And he did the same thing to Till. Till should have been working. We know Till can strike. If he worked at anything but takedown defense during his fight camp for the Brunson fight, he made a huge mistake. Yeah, you can spar and improve your striking, but but don't make your striking a focal point of your training when you know you need to defend takedowns against this guy. He didn't do it, and so he lost. I'm not one of those people that said he quit. I don't see that. But I'm also not one of those people who said um, that he looked good because he, he didn't look all that good. Bronson won using his, his wrestling, and his ground striking looked great. 
and the submission. Very nice. Is he ready for a rematch with Israel Adesanya? He says he is, and so I have to expect that he is. Is he going to beat Israel Adesanya? I don't know. If he can take him down, like he's been taking down these last five win, last five opponents where he's earned wins, I'm not going to say Derek Brunson doesn't have a chance to beat Israel Adesanya. I don't know if he will be able to take him down, and I think like the Till fight, that's going to hinge. That's the hinge that this is all going to be decided on. If if Brunson fights Adesanya, can he take him down and keep him down? I don't know, but I want to see. I want to find out. Brunson has looked like a better fighter as late. I didn't think he had um, the the last four opponents before before Till. I didn't think they were top notch. I think it was they were good fights for him to get his confidence up and get his um, skill set to where it needed to be and know that he could rely on X, Y, and Z to get wins. I think the way he got the four wins before uh, the Till fight were excellent in, in, in just getting him ready to fight top-tier competition. And so Till was the first of those opponents. Will Adesanya be the next? Could be. Um, but... I think Bronson is probably the most confident he's ever been in his career. He's seemed to have fixed any kind of errors and gaps in his game. Now, getting punched by and kicked, elbowed, and kneed by Israel Adesanya might be different than getting punched by Darren Till. And maybe Brunson reverts a little bit to his panic striking in, in an Adesanya fight. I don't know. But... From what I saw on Saturday, he got hurt by Till in that third round. He didn't rush in with his chin down like he's been known to do in the past. He just said, okay, I'm hurt. I know I can get this guy down to the mat. If I don't get him down to the mat, at least if I shoot a takedown and get him up against the cage, I can reset and recover. And so that's what I'm going to do. And not only is that what he did, he got the takedown and then got the submission quickly after that. So I think Brunson is ready in his mind to fight Adesanya again. Now, outside of that, I don't know if he is ready to fight Adesanya again. But give him a shot. Give him a title shot. Um, still hold on to that Whitaker fight because I think you, with that, you want to wait until you can get the opportunity for them to fight in a stadium in New Zealand or Australia. So that one you want to wait on. But Brunson... Throw him in there. See what he can do. Um, with that, I'm going to call it uh, an evening here on the UFC Vegas 36 recap. And until next time, everyone stay safe.